great evangelist, great preacher, and you're going to love him. Put your hands together. Give a good North Mississippi welcome to Dr. Braden Anderson. Amen. God is so good. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. If you're here for the first time, do not let this be the last time. This needs to be your church. That needs to be your pastor. And what you felt tonight, you can have it over and over and over again. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, it is such an incredible privilege to be with you. And uh, I, I got to hear some great preaching at that men's conference. Your pastor tore it up. And it was amazing. I wish I could play it for you, but he aptly described where the church is positioned and where culture is moving and what God is doing. It was revelatory for me. I enjoyed it so much. And it's an honor to be with you today. What a move of the Holy Ghost we felt tonight. Let's give a hand to the worship team. Thank you so much. Such incredible talent and passion. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And I have got a very special little tiny celebrity with me here today. My son, Judah, would you wave your hands? I love this little dude. And he gets to travel the world with me. And I think you would be hard-pressed to find more people that have passed out more flyers than that little guy. He has what's called an upstairs ministry. He doesn't know why, but every time we go to an apartment complex, it's his ministry to go up the stairs and knock on those doors so that dad can stay on the ground floor. And he's so good at it. Let's just give him a hand today. <laughs> Amen. I love my little buddy. So I'm going to turn to the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. And I don't want to uh, hold you long here tonight, but I, I want to share uh, a little bit of my testimony as a way to contextualize this message. But I want to speak to you on the subject of this is worth it. Turn to somebody next to you and say, this is worth it. This is worth it. Amen. The Bible says in Acts 2 and 38, Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And the Bible says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you're in this place today and you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you can be baptized here tonight. And God will wash away every single sin that you've ever committed. It's for you. Somebody say that. It's for me. It's for you. I double checked and we have got water. We've got robes and we've got towels. So there's no reason that anybody needs to leave this place without getting baptized the right way. Amen. If you've not done it, I'm telling you it's worth it. I'm telling you it's worth it. Has anybody been baptized in Jesus' name? Raise your hands. Look around this room. Why not you? Why not now? Come on, you might as well. Amen. If you're willing to get baptized, I'll tell you what. At any point in the service, that's how crazy I am about baptism. I would rather you skip the rest of my lecture and go get your sins remitted. At any point you want to get baptized, you come on up. You can interrupt me if you want. Let's get you baptized and let God wash away every sin. And the Bible says you shall 
receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I think there are some people tonight that before they leave are going to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Would you put your Bibles down and lift your hands to the Lord one more time tonight? Jesus, we love you and we lift you up. I thank you for what you're doing in every heart and in every life. I pray that God, you would anoint me for the next few minutes. Anoint us to receive, inspire somebody, change somebody's life, heal somebody's body, fill somebody with the Holy Ghost, baptize somebody, and forgive every sin in Jesus' mighty name we pray and everybody said amen amen before you're seated turn to somebody one more time say this is worth it Amen. You may be seated today. Thank you for standing. I'm telling you, with every fiber of my being, I believe that all of this is worth it. I believe every bit of singing is worth it. I believe every minute you can spend in worship is worth it. I believe every time you crack that Bible open is worth it. Every hour you fast, every time you give, every sacrifice you make, every change that you've done, worth it, worth it, worth it, worth it. Well, shoot, I gave away the whole message already. That's it in a nutshell. Amen. If you need to go, that was it. You can go. Amen. But let me tell you a little bit of my story and why I believe that. I was absolutely and entirely not raised in the faith. I am as first generation as they come. Now, my story is a little bit different than other people's. Now, I've got a lot of friends, and they are great and excellent preachers, man. But their story starts like they were living under a bridge, shooting up Windex, trying to get just a little bit more high. That is not my story whatsoever. I was raised in Seattle, Washington and God blessed me to be born into an extremely wealthy home. My dad was a high profile physician. He delivered the babies of celebrities and worked at every hospital in the city. My mom was a nurse. He had clinics and this and that. I was raised in private schools and private clubs on private golf courses. I was raised in the best restaurants and with yachts and on vacations. I'm telling you, we literally had everything that money could buy. I don't have a story that looks like some of my very best friends, but I want to tell you, you can have everything and still have nothing. Why? Money cannot buy what is in this house tonight. Money cannot buy what you feel money cannot change you heal you deliver you give you victory set you for come on somebody While I'm thankful for how I was raised, the only exposure that I had to God was in liturgical churches, in stained glass cathedrals. And while I am thankful for the people that are there, and there are some wonderful folks in that atmosphere, I could never figure out where is this God of the Bible? Where is the God that heals? Where is the God that speaks? Where are the people that speak in tongues I saw it in the word but I never saw it in the church friend you can go to a whole lot of churches but there are not a lot you can go to that feel what we felt tonight I thank God for an apostolic church I thank God for where people are still 
world where miracles still happen, where God still fills. My circles, nobody was healed. My circles, there were no visions, there were no dreams, there were no deliverances, nobody filled with the Spirit. And and because of that, I really did not have any inertia, any momentum, any reason to begin to dig deeper into God. I was bred in an environment that satisfied my conscience and it made me to believe that God wasn't watching, He wasn't listening, He must not care. And when you have a distant God and a deaf God, then you will descend into sin. If you believe he can't hear you, why not? If you believe he's not watching, why not? And I'm telling you, though I might not have sold cocaine, I was every bit as much of a sinner as somebody that did. My sin might have been different than your sin, but I'm telling you, I lived in it. I sin, I thought sin my heart was corrupted by sin it is a pervasive disease this sin thing man it doesn't care what class you're from it doesn't care what your annual income is It doesn't care about your education. It doesn't care how well put together your family looks on the outside. Sin doesn't make any difference between us. It wants us all and it wants all of us. Despite having everything, I was falling deeper and deeper and deeper into sin. I remember a point when I simply, there's no other word to describe it. I simply despised myself. I knew just enough of God to know that in no way shape or form could I have been right with him and I would lay my head down on the pillow just like many of you have in the past and you cannot ignore that feeling somehow you're not right with your creator somehow if your ticket was to be punched you would not be saved your church might tell you you are but you know that you're not you know you're still unrenewed you know how you think and you know what's in your heart and you wish that you were better than you were night after night man I felt nothing but loss there is such a universality to sin again I might not have been a murderer I might not have done jail time but when I hear the stories of them that did I can liken myself to the same agony that they went through I know what it's like to be lost and want to change I know the depths of self imposed depression and anxiety I'm telling you sin will separate you from God and it is the separated soul that begins to hurt and bleed why we were not made to be apart from him we were made to be with him whether it's cocaine or pride it's sin whether it's alcohol or unforgiveness it's sin no I didn't have a record of heinous crimes but I began to want God for the first time in my life. And I wanted him with such urgency 
and such seriousness. I was discontented. I was convicted. I was so wrong. And I knew myself how I behaved, how I thought, how I spoke, how I acted. I knew the sin that I continued to succumb to day after day. I knew the depth of my unregenerated nature. I was so disappointed, so disgusted, so sorrowful. You see, if you have an ineffective form of Christianity, it cannot change you. It cannot save you. It cannot deliver you. And I began to want the real thing. In the end, God knew the heart. And if that was so, he would know mine. It was given entirely to pride, to lust, to bitterness, to manipulation, to vanity, to sin. He would know everything about me. And though I felt like I had everything in the world, at the same time I felt like I had nothing at all. Nothing that could make the emptiness go away. Nothing that could change me. I tried it on my own and I would fail. And I would fail and I would fail. Every day wake up the same. Attitude the same. Sin and addictions the same. So I decided I can no longer wait. I will give God one chance. One real chance. And if he's out there and I can find him, all the better for it. But if he's not, then I'm done. So I decided if God was real, only he could save me. Now, this is the interesting part of the story. I had been in an interdenominational high school back in the day. And because of that, I knew somebody from every single church in the city. I knew an Episcopal. I knew a Presbyterian. I knew a Methodist and I knew a Mennonite. I knew the Evangelicals and the non-denominational. And I made my mind up. I am going to go to every last one of your churches until I find a God that's real and a God that heals and a God that delivers and a God that can save. So I became a church hopper. Man, I went with the Mennonite. Then I went with the Presbyterian. Then I went, come on, till I had been to almost every single church in that city. Man, and I did whatever. I was not just there for a show with my arms crossed. Man, if that pastor said, give my heart to the Lord, man, I gave my heart to the Lord. You don't know how many times I gave my heart to the Lord. If he said, give, I gave. If he said, come to the front, I came to the front. If he said, you're dismissed, I ran out the door. I did anything and everything they told me to. You know what's interesting is while I felt God, I remain unchanged by Him. I did everything they said. Read every book, every service, unchanged. Nothing really happened for me. Nothing really changed me. And I was about to throw the towel in that this God is nothing more than a fairy tale. I gave Him a shot and I couldn't find Him. But you see, there was one church left. And this one girl that had never stopped inviting me since we went to high school together. You see, that one last church was an apostolic church. The only one in that city. And so I made my mind up that if nowhere else could fix me and no other church had the answer, I would try that last one. So I drove to that building on the periphery of the city. I became a church hopper. Man, I went with the Mennonite. Then I went and I walked into a service that would turn my world upside down. 
this. I'm telling you that before I could even sit down in the sanctuary, I walked past the door of the prayer room. And what came spilling out of that room put every hair on my body standing on end. I had never felt what I felt in that place. Man, and I had been in some churches. I had been in some churches. No no offense. However good we think we sound, I've been in a church that's technically sounded better. Man, they had 30,000 people. Chris Tomlin leading worship. I've been in some churches. But I'm telling you, in that little room, with those number of people, all of a sudden, as they did begin the service, something descended in that place that was greater, that was heavier, that was deeper than you could find in a crowd of 30,000 people. Friend, what we have in this place is worth more than waves of worship. Man, I saw young people worship. I saw some seriously not young people worship. I saw people worship in a wheelchair. I saw people worship in a pew. I saw tears begin to fall. I saw hands get lifted in the air. I'm telling you, when y'all worship, something begins to happen. And unless your feelers are broken, you felt it here tonight. When they began to worship, something came into this room. No, friend, we're not alone. No, God is not deaf, not distant. He's here and he's real. I'm really not sure what played out after that still to this day because that preacher was psychotic. I, I have no idea what he was preaching. Um, my, my, uh, so that lady that invited me, she told me, that young lady told me in her whole life she had actually never been to a service that crazy. It was a traveling evangelist family and the dude lost his mind. Somehow, everybody in a matter of minutes, all the men had took their jackets off, took their ties off. They were hitting the walls. They were hitting the pews. They were hitting the floor. I want you to know I still have no idea what was happening, but I know what I felt. And what I felt you cannot fake. You cannot contrive. You cannot hype. What is in this place Though you might not understand it It is the cure It is deliverance It is healing It is glory Young man came up to me Young man I don't know 16, 17 at the most I don't know he had ever done this before Because of how broken his voice sounded 
shaking, quivering. He came up to me at the end of that service and he said, have you received the Holy Ghost? Which is why I don't usually phrase it that way to people now, but he said that to me. And I looked at him and said, I have no idea what you just said. What is a ghost? And he said, never mind. God can fill you with his spirit. Would you lift your hands and let me pray for you? And I said, man, I've tried everything else. Why not this? And I put my hands in the air and I'm telling you the power that came down on me. Listen, what you need today isn't a better song. It's not a better sermon. It's the Holy Ghost. If somebody would lift their hands and lift their voice. Man, changed my life. I made the decision to then get baptized in Jesus' name. And you know what? Look at this. Look at this. This is a little dude right here. I was so excited to meet your pastor, but also so afraid. Because tall guys have tall pulpits. And tall pulpits hide me. I got this picture of this pulpit. You literally cannot see my face above the pulpit because I'm so tiny. So I know I'm a little guy. Man, when I walk into a room, most men, women, and children could beat me in a fight. I know it. But I'm telling you, when I came up out of that water, I was lighter. I don't know if you could have measured it, but I was lighter. You see, up to that point, I had carried years and years and years of sin, years of lying, years of manipulating, years of lust. And I'm telling you, this little guy came up out of that water and God forgave every single sin. He can do it for you. He can do it for you. You'll stand higher. You'll feel better. Anxiety will be torn off you. Depression will leave you. Why? When you come up, he forgives. This is worth it. This is worth it. That really was my initial exposure to evangelism. Somewhere, someone, somewhere evangelized me. And I ended up marrying that girl that invited me to church. And we have this beautiful boy sitting over here. I'm so thankful that somebody kept invited me and they kept on inviting me. If somebody invited you here tonight, I want you to hear me. That may end up being the most important person in your life. If they're the one that got you here, you ought to thank God for them. Amen. Come on. Billy Graham didn't get you here. CBN didn't get you here. Air One on the radio didn't get you here. Chris Tomlin wasn't going to get you here. I thank God that somebody got me to the church that can finally and fully fix me. I thank God somebody brought me in. Now man, I'm going to say it, I'm going to tell you the kind of the lull in the story. Don't let me lose you here, but that choice cost me a lot. I knew it would cost me a lot because that really does not 
uh, embody. They're not necessarily opposed to Christianity. They said, we believe that the Pentecostal church will be destructive for you. And so we don't ever want you to go back. And I said, that's not an option for me. I'm going back. And they said, listen, man, you've been living on our dime. You live on our credit cards. You go to school on our dime. We give you allowances for this, that, and the other. We can get you into medical school. We can get you down the road and take care of everything. But if you will not stop going, we're going to write you a check for $1,500. We want you to pack everything that you have and never come back to this house again. And I said, I understand why you would say that out of love. And from your worldview, you're trying to do what's best for me. But you have to understand from my worldview that I cannot sell you even one service in the presence of God. You don't know what this was worth to me. You don't know what this changed for me. Somebody in this room, you this might not always be popular. It might not always be easy, but I'm telling you, it's worth it. I left that day with a check for $1,500 and I bought a $1,500 car. You can imagine a $1,500 car did not last me that long, but I I got myself a car and I was out on my own. Now, I was a silver spoon, spoiled little rich kid with zero life skills, no real jobs, no ability to do anything. And I'm telling you, this thrust me into immediate and severe poverty. But I'm telling you, there was not a day that I didn't wake up ecstatic to be in the church of God. I invited every single soul that I knew, every single one I met. Why? This is still the greatest gospel on the earth. Whether I have much or I have little, Jesus is everything. I'm telling you, this is better than the cure for cancer. This is better than a million dollars. This is better than owning a house. This is better than a promotion. This is everything. And I wanted everybody to know. So I get forced into some, some, ser- some serious poverty. I mean, I, 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 it was homelessness. And then the church kind of took me in and let me stay out of the basement. I, was, I would go to the Y and shower. I was eating out of garbage cans. That's when my, really the only thing I could afford to eat was rice. And to this day, I love rice more than anything, man. Jesus just gave me a love for rice. I'm telling you, I, you try and find me an Asian person that eats more rice than me. You cannot. I loved it, man. But I'm telling you, I lost everything. And hear me, I would lose it a thousand times over again if I could obtain him and stay within the church it's worth it it's worth it it's worth it but then began this new dynamic of lifestyle I, I approached my pastor I said pastor you know that I now have a lot more time on my hands than I used to I was a forced college dropout I was forced to lose my job because I was employed by the college. I have nothing and nowhere to go. 
I got a lot of time on my hands. I said, would you mind if I went and invited everybody I possibly could in the city? And my pastor set me loose. I mean, literally, he just took the collar off and he said, go, boy, go. And I'll tell you what I did. I, first thing I did, I won my best friend. He became our youth leader. Then I started knocking doors. I know knocking doors isn't fun. I know it's not popular, but eventually you win one and then another and then another and then another. This way, this is what I did. Now, I snuck back into my college, the one where my parents kind of cut off the tuition stream so I couldn't go back. Well, I still had a student card. So I went back and I made a flyer on the computer in the library and I printed it. And I said, man, nobody seemed to notice that. So I pulled out the whole box of paper and I printed thousands and thousands. I was stealing for Jesus. I printed tens of thousands of flyers at that school. Ah. <laughs> and then what I did, I sat down with a map and I put an X on the church and I drew a one mile circle around the church and I told pastor I'm going to go to every single door within that circle and I'm going to invite every last one to church. He said go for it. So I did. In the span of one year I knocked over 10,000 doors. Friend, it was just me in a church of nine people. If I could do it, you could do it. This is worth it. This is worth it. Go Go to doors, go to neighborhoods, do block parties, go to the jail, teach a Bible study, give a ride. Why? This is the greatest gospel on the earth. Now, I remember the first people I, I kind of won. And uh, you're going to have to pardon me. The professionalism is going to fade as we go on. Because uh, I'm getting tired, or <laughs> if that's a word. So I remember the first couple that I kind of won. Uh, Bill and Tony. Man, Bill and Tony were walking by as I was preaching like a youth service. And Bill and Tony walked into the church and man, life had been tough on them. They were homeless and they looked like a couple pieces of walking beef jerky. I mean, they had done drugs, alcohol, sun, slept on the streets. They looked like they were 200 years old. I'm telling you, Bill and Tony came in. I taught them a Bible study. And friend, it was one of the worst Bible studies in the apostolic movement. But somehow, Bill and Tony got baptized and God filled with the Holy Ghost. Hey, let me tell you how to teach a good Bible study. You teach some bad ones. Let me tell you how to be a good soul winner. You get out and you try. Man, Bill's eyes in that first service, his eyes went so big. Like he just saw a ghost. I, I thought, I thought, man, I don't know. That dude is just scared out of his mind. I better go shake his hand before he flees. And so I went up to Bill. I'm like, what's up, man? You, you look alarmed. And he looked up. We had the word hallelujah written up here in gold back in those days at that church. And he said, you'd never believe it. This is the first service he's ever been in. He said, we just walked in here because we heard the music going and, 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 and all the commotion. We wanted to see what was going on. It's raining outside. And he said, but that word, what does that mean? And I tried to explain it. He said, well, uh, he said, you're never going to believe me. But last night as I went to bed, I saw in gold that exact word. I saw this sanctuary. I saw somebody preaching. And I didn't know what it meant. And I've never seen that word before I said man I can't tell you what it meant But I know that God brought you here And he can save your soul Why do I 
that? Right now, God is reaching somebody in this city. Today, somebody will get a vision. Tonight, somebody will get a dream. What if there was an apostolic church that would work hand in hand with God? And when God brings them, we dunk them. When God brings them, we pray them through. Come on. So then became a new problem. Is that when I did get the chance to see some people baptized, man, I got crazier. I got crazier. Looking back, way crazy, especially for the level of experience I had. I remember one day I took the youth group out and made them get into the van with me. And and our van was not like, I don't know what your van is. I promise ours is worse. There is no way that dead bodies have not been in my van. So we, we were looking, we got them all packed into the van. And these are youth group kids. So they're vanilla from head to toe, straight laced, bunch of little white kids and never done nothing wrong. Not like me. So they let me drive the van. Now I did what I normally do and I go to where the fish are biting. So I drove literally to the other side of the tracks and I went to the park right outside of the state penitentiary where they still put people to death and I say guys let's get out and reach some people. I give all the youth group flyers. We all roll up out of that van and go through the park. Now when we get to the park I look over and I'm not trying to be judgmental but there is a legitimate gang sitting over there at the picnic bench and I'm not trying to be judgmental again but when you have that many face tattoos yes you're in a gang man it's just not I'm not for tattoos but I'm really not for a handgun tattooed on your forehead that is a bad idea alright so we get out and even I thought man I better go take the youth group and drop them off at like the park and they can invite some of the kids and the moms and I'll go over there but I'm telling you when the doors of that van popped open those kids get out I look back at my crew and they looked over at them and stuck their noses in the air like they're better than what's going on over at that picnic table and I'll tell you right now nothing will get me Holy Ghost crazier than when you think you're better than them friends such were some of you you might be on the other side now give them a little bit they'll be on the other side with you preacher sitting over there there could be a pastor sitting over there so so I thought man we weren't going over there but now we are I said come on let's go and man I've, I've only seen this in nature they assume the position of those geese that fly in a V so that the guy up front does all the work and takes all the heat. I look back and they're just behind me like a V. And so I start walking over there. And as I get closer, everybody in the gang looks at one guy. And I realize, oh, he's the one that must be the leader who decides if I live or die today. And... So I walk right up to him again. I'm Holy Ghost, angry, bold, whatever you want to call it. I walk right up to him and I say, hey man, what's up, bro? We're from the church. I give him a flyer and I say, I got a question for you. I said, man, if you want to go to heaven, the Bible says you need to repent and be baptized and let God fill you with the Holy Ghost. What would stop you from doing that right now? It was the middle of the afternoon on a Saturday. What would stop you from doing that? right now and Captain Face Tattoo looked back at me 
He said, I just got out of prison. That's a good opening statement to your death. While I was in prison, I told God I would do whatever it took to get my life right. And here you are now with me. I said, what would stop you? Listen, listen, listen. He said nothing. He turned to the guys and he said, everybody, get in the van. I baptized that whole gang in Jesus' name. Let me tell you, we can reach them if we'll invite them. This is worth it. This is worth it. It doesn't matter if they don't look like you. Give them an invitation. It doesn't matter if they're poor, they're rich, they're white, they're black. Now one night I took the van. Again, creeper van. It's like 11.30, driving around at night, and at this time I got in my head, I'm just going to drive until I find somebody out. I'm not going to knock a door at 11.30, but I'm going to drive until I find somebody out, and I come around the corner, and I see a young adult, and I knew this was going to be another fun one, because he had more of his buttocks outside of the shorts than inside of the shorts. (laughs) And in those days, I enjoyed being provocative. And so I rolled up, whipped the window down, like cut him off with the van, and I just yelled, hey man! And that dude grabbed his hip like he was about to shoot me in the face. And I said, I'm from the church, man. I'm just messing around. And he's like, are you crazy? I said, kinda. And I'm like, man, have you ever been baptized and let God fill you with the Holy Ghost? He said, no. What are you talking about? I got that dude in the van. I drove him back to the church. We baptized him at 11.30 at night. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. I'm just one guy. One guy. Not a team, not a youth group. Come on, one of you could go win somebody else. Now, this was the interesting thing about that dude. Joel could speak Spanish, and this little guy cannot. That opened up a whole nother population. I said, Joel, remember how I rolled up on you in the middle of the night? He's like, yeah, you're crazy. I said, man, I don't know if you'd be open to this, but why don't you and me get in the van together? Let's roll up on some other people. In the next 30 days, me and Joel went out. If they spoke English, I talked to them. If they spoke Spanish, Joel talked to them. We baptized 36 more people in Jesus' name. Man, that church grew over six times the size when we started doing outreach. It grew so much, and we started winning so many Spanish people. We were reaching critical mass. We needed to start a Spanish church. We launched, launched a Spanish church. I still don't speak Spanish, but I fake it. Bienvenidos a la casa de Dios. Dios es bueno. Dios es maravilloso. Dios es poderoso. I don't know. I don't know if it's right. I don't, I don't care. I'm going to try and reach everybody. I'm going to try and reach everybody. Somebody want to teach me some Russian? Let's go. Amen. With that Spanish church, then outgrew the English church. What could God do here if we started reaching people? that we never thought we could reach what if we invited people we've never invited before 
That's a long story as to why, but eventually my wife made me go back to school. And a lot of it had to do with that. We just, the church could not sustain and afford the psychotic ideas I came up with to reach people. So we decided we wanted to get a couple real jobs so that we could do some crazier stuff for Jesus. So my wife would work, I would go to school. Then I we'd switch and I, I would work and she would go to school. When it got to the point we got some degrees and some jobs, we then started self-funding revivals around the world. We would be with churches that were in their very first service and there was one guest in the church we would be with churches that had been open for a hundred years and failed to take off but we would come in and we would buy the flyers we would put them on Facebook we'd make them a website and God would reach people I know that we're going to have jobs but don't just use your job to get a nicer car and a nicer house can't you use it for God I remember this one guy tried to cancel me. He called me up. He's like, Brother Anderson, I'm sorry, man, but you can't come. I'm like, well, like, if I did something wrong, totally fair, uh, but what's up? He's like, I can't afford you. I'm like, man, don't be like that. He's like, no, no, I can't afford to buy a hundred flyers. And I laughed at him on the phone. I said, then that just means you called the right guy. I'm like, bro, I don't care about the money part. I'm like, not only am I still coming and you can't stop me, I'm buying your flyers, I'm making your website, and now I'm bringing a van full of people. We're going to put them up in hotels. We're going to door knock every single door in your city. I'm buying iPads and bicycles and MP3 players. Bro, we're going to blow this thing out of the water. And God filled so many people with the Holy Ghost. Man, the number one question I get is how could a doctor, I had a, had a, Three family practice clinics that were brick and mortar, one online telehealth website. How could a doctor doing family practice and building of this and that and whatever become a preacher? I'll tell you how. I was a preacher before I was a doctor. More importantly, though, I was a sinner in need of a savior. He sets up, he takes down. When he says go, I go. When he says walk, I walk. Why? The kingdom of God is worth more than money, more than degrees, more than positions, more than possessions. There is nothing in the world worth more than being baptized and letting God fill you with the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, this city is full of people just like me. They are ready to do whatever you tell them to. They want to be right with God. They want to be saved. And I'll tell you what, after you baptize them and God fills them, they're going to tell everybody that they can. Yeah, we've been in church. We were in this church having, having service this year, this year. One of their very first services. They're preaching in the living room. There's two dogs in the living room around my feet. And the pastor's got one of his family members there. And the family member is totally just old and senile. He's like, he, I was going to make a joke, but there's a political figure that's also kind of senile. This guy, way worse. I mean, what he's done is he's got Crocs on. How many like Crocs? I like Crocs, but I never saw Crocs like this. The 
crocs were too small for his feet. So he cut the toes out so the toes could hang out of the front of the crocs. Uh, and the dogs came by and would lick his toes. So I remember while I was preaching, I took a picture and I sent it to the pastor. I said, this is my favorite church I ever preached in. But I'm telling you, even in that service, we had a first time guest. Just one in a living room. And God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And we baptized him in Jesus' name. We've been in brand new churches that had 10 people. And after we go out and do outreach, we baptize 16 in a single Sunday. Man, we've been in church here in Tennessee. I was at a church with 40 people, just 40 people. We went out and we did some block parties, ghetto block parties. Man, we rolled out a blue tarp. We had a boom box and we gave them popsicles. I'm telling you, $20 block parties. We had 80 first-time guests in a church of 40. Wouldn't you love to triple the church in a Sunday? Wouldn't you love to need another building program? Come on. God will go with us. God will help them reach us. We need to do something. Amen, amen, amen. Everybody say hurry up. All right. Three keys. Three keys to make it happen. I have to like do something kind of teachy or else everybody feels like it was just, it was just a hype message. So this is going to be my one sentence teachy thing. You need to work. You need to risk. And you need faith. Work, risk, faith. Say it. Work, risk, faith. Man, look at that. It's just like a college campus now. We all learned something. Okay. Let me tell you why. I got a call from this guy on the East Coast. Just a really just interesting individual. And, and, um, and he called me. We did a Zoom call. We did an interview. And he gets on. He says, I understand that you're an evangelist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, well, we're thinking, to ha- we're thinking we might want you to come out and do an outreach revival for us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. And I, and I understood, oh, this is a I have to pitch me to you situation. Okay. Well, that, I'm, I'm, I've never done this before, so let's try. And, and I entertained the story. And I told him a little bit about, man, this is what we do. We, we, we do tent revivals. We do block parties. We'll go to the jail. We'll do an outdoor concert. Man, I, I'll wash cars for free. I don't care. But the goal is somebody gets dunked. And I told him, I said, if your church needs a word from God, I'm not your guy. I'll tell you somebody that probably has a word, but I don't. If your city needs a word, I'm your guy. I speak sinner. I speak baptism. I speak Holy Ghost. And so he said, okay, okay, okay. I would like to bring you in, but if I bring you in, I expect to beat every record we have ever had in this church. What? What? He's like, I want every attendance record beat. This is what we hit last Easter and the Easter before. It's not even Easter, but I don't want to do this unless we can blow that number out of the water. And I said this, man, if you're crazy enough to want to beat every record, I think God's crazy enough to help you beat every record. I can't make any promises, but if you'll do more work than you did for the ones you got at Easter, we're going to have more than you had at Easter. I am that Holy Ghost bold. Call it arrogant. Call it faith. But if you do more, you get more. If you knock more, you'll see more. If you pray more, he'll do more. Man, we started planning with them four months in advance. Four months. 
Somebody say, man, come over this weekend. Yeah, we can do that. It won't be as big. Man, we were planning four months in advance. We had mailers going out. We bought flyers. We were on Facebook. We were on Instagram. We had teams going to different parks, different neighborhoods, different apartments. And then when I got there, I busted out every single day of the week. More doors, more homes, more people. I'm telling you, when Sunday came around, we had more visitors than they had in the church. We not only blew up their attendance record, but they had to get every chair out of storage and we beat their all time single service baptism record now hear me this is the wonderful part because somebody thinks uh, somebody might think from that statement I'm being boastful this is the wonderful part no one in that city knows who I am man I'm not Joel Osteen I don't draw some crowd. Don't put my face on the flyer. It had nothing to do with that. All those people came because they got a mailer. They didn't know about me. They got a door hanger. They didn't know about me. They saw it on Facebook. They didn't know about me. What am I saying? Even if I wasn't there, if they did the work, they'd have seen the same number of people in the door. If you do the work, you don't need me. You don't know the big, you don't need the biggest name evangelist. Do the work and God will bring the increase. Now, we, we were with this one church. I'd estimate they had 125 people. 125 people. And uh, they were in a unique area. We got out on outreach, and we had a big plan. We had 10,000 flyers ready to go. A lot of churches go wrong because they just don't do enough. Man, I'm so glad you're here. We printed 100 flyers. Man, Judah will do 100 flyers in 15 minutes. That's not good enough. We need more flyers. I want, how many people are in the city? We got to do more. And uh, so anyways, we got 10,000 flyers printed. We were going to go all through their city, this church 125. We were not even out on outreach yet. We pull up to the gas station. We pull up to the gas station, and a car pulls up in front of us. And we're like, hey, pastor, man, go invite that guy. And he turned back at us, and he said, I can't. We're like, what do you mean you can't? This is a no-lie story, no-lie story. He said, he said, we don't, we can't talk to people like that in this neighborhood. And I said, man, you think just because he's black, he's going to gun you down at a gas station? Are you crazy? He's like, no, man. My dad said he was a pastor before. He said, man, they don't want to hear from us. I said, just give it a try, bro. God won't do nothing, won't let nothing happen to you at the middle of this gas station in broad daylight while you're doing his work. That pastor got out of the front seat of the car. And he walked up to the car that was parked at the gas station. I don't know what they said. The guy was civil. He smiled, whatever. He turned back. And when that pastor turned back to our car, he had tears running down his face. He got into the car and he said, I never knew. I said, what do you mean? He said, I never knew. He was nice. He was kind. He thanked me for the invitation. I said, bro, everybody is hungry. It doesn't matter what color. It doesn't matter what language. Sin affects us all. And God is for everybody. Come on, first Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I want you to hear these numbers though. 125 people in the church come Sunday after a week of outreach and then after that of course where do you think I took us on outreach? I went to my favorite neighborhoods. 
Come Sunday in that church, that church of 125 had 238 first-time guests. We baptized in one Sunday 68 people in Jesus' name. It took over two hours to baptize 68 people. Might we not have them because we don't invite them. But what if we did? What if we did? Every man, every child, everybody Man, we need to take risk. Somebody say risk. risk. One guy calls me and he says, bro, I am interested in having a tent revival. Have you ever preached at a tent revival? And I'm very, uh, I'm very honest if you ask me a direct question. I said, man, of course I've never preached at tent revival. Has anybody in my generation ever preached at a tent revival? And he said, I feel like the Holy Ghost told me as I was praying through the different evangelists on the list who I could have come preach a tent revival and your name stood out. And I'm very spiritual. So I said, bro, you lying. Man, my last name's Anderson. So I'm at the top of the list and you're left. You just stopped when you got to my name. He said, no, man, I feel like you're supposed to preach this thing. He told me later that tent revival idea, he had no idea where it came from. And it took like the whole church budget just to throw that thing. He didn't know what he was doing. He'd done it many times after that. It's a lot more refined. But he sank like $8,000 into trying one revival with a little dude he's never heard of before and an event he's never ran. I'm telling you, though, we went into that very first service. We were 10 minutes in. Some crazy lady stood up 10 minutes into my message and screamed out, I want to be baptized. She went over to get baptized. Listen, 10 more people followed her. We baptized 11 before I even stopped preaching. It's going to take risk. It's going to take money. It's going to take something new. But God will reach them. Man, they've doubled their church on tent revivals but you know what's interesting he called me one year and he said bro do you remember how freaked out I was about that first one I said well you don't know how freaked out I was about that first one and he said bro I just want to tell you the people that we won at the first revival they didn't just stick but they've actually given so much towards tent revivals and evangelism that they paid for that tent revival and every single one we've been doing since then He said, if there's any pastor out there that doubts if risking it is worth it, give them my number. It is always worth it to reach somebody new. All right, I got to hurry. I got timers running. I'm not happy with what I see over there. All right, so last you need faith. So we're at a church of 200, and we're going to do this outdoor outreach event thing. Cool, cool, cool. It's going to be great. And we get all set up. We're getting ready. And the pastor says to me, I need your car keys, bro. Can I borrow your rental car keys? And I said, sure, man. What's up? And I hand him the keys. And he says, hop in. We hop in the car. And so we're starting. The way the property is uh, set up is literally, it's like a giant rectangle that runs like 17 acres long. And we're setting up for the outreach event over on this side. Dude gets in the truck and starts driving. 
and continues driving. And con I'm like, what are you doing, man? And he says, I need to use your truck to mark the end of where the people are going to line up and park their cars when they come out. All right. Driving, driving. And then again, I'm very spiritual evangelist. So I said, like, what are you doing, bro? It's like 200 degrees outside. Now we got to walk 17 acres back to where we came from. That pastor's still driving. He says, this will be the end of where they line up. I'm telling you, I looked at 7 o'clock on the dot when the event started. I looked up and my rental truck marked the exact end of where they lined up. We had over 1,000 first time guess the next year we ran it over 4,000 first time guess sometimes you need a little faith sometimes you think bigger you pray bigger you design for more come on somebody do you have faith that God can reach the unreachable do you have faith that he can fill this building do you have faith that he can reach your school why not? Why not? God's big enough. He's strong enough. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I'll tell you what I seldom see. I seldom see a church that gears up for revival, buys 10 new robes, and they baptize 11. They may baptize 8. They may baptize 9. They may baptize 10, but I seldom see 11. But man, all of a sudden there'll be some home, uh, some some home-based pastor has never had anybody baptized in the history of the church, and he says, "Man, I just feel like I just feel like we could baptize ten, and God shows up and we baptize exactly ten in Jesus' name." Wonder if maybe we just need to expand our faith a little bit more. I wonder if we should plan for a thousand. I wonder if we should buy enough flyers for. Every last citizen. So then, there's always this last complaint. Numbers are not important. That's cool, except I was one. I didn't come from this, and I'd have never found this, except who would become my wife when we were, I met her in school, started on day one. Would you come out? Would you try it out? We'd love to have you at church. You need to check out our church. Years and years and years. We ought to be in front of this city so much that we become synonymous with the word healing, synonymous with the word baptism, synonymous with the Holy Ghost. They ought to know about us far before they ever get here. And when they get here, they're going to get him. They're going to get baptized and they're going to get the Holy Ghost. Man, you have no idea how many people are just desperately hungry. I didn't witness this one. And you're going to hear why. Nobody did. But apparently we rolled up at some apartment complex and one of our uh, groups and ministers and all this doing outreach. And somehow this apartment complex, we did every other door except this lady's. And this lady's sitting up at her couch. And she said she was looking out the window and she was so interested why all these kids wearing matching shirts busted out of the van, went all through her complex with smiles on their faces and went to every single door except for her. She was bummed out. She didn't get an invitation. And then we got back in the van and I guess we drove off. Well, the story goes that later that day she went to take her garbage out. She opened the dumpster. Somebody that didn't want a flyer had thrown it in the dumpster. But when she whipped the lid open, 
the wind caught it in the air it did a backflip and it came down and landed right on her chest she peeled it off and said it's a church I'm going she walked in late to the service holding the flyer came straight up and got baptized in Jesus name you have no idea how hungry they are you have no idea how bad they want this Man, I'd pull up the picture if I could for you. This guy, we were doing this revival. And this guy rolls up. And man, you could hear his Harley, that throaty howl as he pulls in. He got leather on his, man, his pants. I don't know if they're leather pants or chaps or what. But I'm definitely not going to stare at this guy. He's got tattoos all over, spacer earrings, dreadlocks down. But I'm telling you, in that service, he found exactly what he had been looking for. He came up and he said, Pastor, I got to tell you two things. One, I got to tell you how I heard about the church. He says, I was driving my Harley through a parking lot and evidently you must have invited some people and somebody didn't want the flyer. They folded it up, threw it on the ground and the wind carried it and stuck it under somebody's tire. He said, when I came to the stop sign, I stopped my bike for just a minute and I look over and I saw the word Jesus. And when I saw it, I don't know why, I felt so drawn I wanted to know what it was I put my kickstand down and I grabbed the fire and looked at it and it said the Jesus revival and pastor the second thing I want to tell you is when I came here I found what I've been looking for this is my church I'll never miss another service this year at their groundbreaking of their new building The pastor sent me a picture message and I saw Captain Dreadlocks coming up out of that water, baptized in Jesus' name, hand lifted in the air. And the pastor said, but wait, there's more. He said, bro, ever since he came a year ago, he's been working on his family. And that was the service he was able to bring all five. And all five came up to me and said word for word the same thing. Pastor, this is my church. I'll never miss another service. Friend, this is worth it. They want it. They're ready. Stand together with me tonight. Man, we baptized so many people. I, heroin addicts, oxy addicts, alcohol addicts. I've been on the other side too, man. I brought three doctors to church on the same service. I baptized nurse practitioners. We've seen God reach the richest of rich and the lowest of low. I literally don't care the backstory. We all need him. Acts 1 and 8 says, but you shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. Why? And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. God didn't fill you with the Holy Ghost that you might sit there. He filled you that you might get up off your seat and onto the street and win somebody else. There's enough Holy Ghost power in this room that we can take this city, then the county then the region, there's enough of you that you can turn this area upside down Amen, how many want to do it? Amen, if you would turn to somebody next to you say, we're going to go pray would you come up with me, we're going to go pray come on, grab them, bring them up, come on everybody, step out of where you're sitting, let's pray Let's pray. Let's pray God fills this church. Let's pray God turns this world upside down. Come on.
Come on, ask somebody else. What would stop you from getting baptized tonight? I know it's Sunday night. We don't have all our everybody here, but is there anybody that wants to get baptized tonight? Amen. Are you talking to anybody that wants to get baptized? You lift your hands. Amen. Come on. Tonight's the night. Don't say next week. Don't say next month. Don't say next year. Tonight's the night. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. If the musician, I don't know what you normally do. If musicians come, they can come. If not, that's fine. Amen. Now I want to pray that the Holy Ghost would pour out in this place. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. This is the last bit of participation I need from the church. Amen. How many have the Holy Ghost tonight? Lift your hand. If you've spoken in tongues, lift your hands. Hi, who are you? Amen. Would it be okay if I asked you to help me one more time? Could you ask someone in this room if they have ever spoken in tongues? And if they say no, I want you to say, come on up front. Let's pray. And God could fill you tonight. Amen. Come on. Somebody over here might need to walk over there. Somebody over there might need to walk over here. Ask somebody, have you ever talked in tongues? Have you ever talked in tongues? That's it. Keep asking. Keep asking. Come on. Everybody should be moving. Everybody should be talking right now. some people getting the Holy Ghost. Who else wants the Holy Ghost? Amen. Come on up. If you want to get the Holy Ghost tonight, come on up. If you're standing with somebody that doesn't have the Holy Ghost, bring them on up. God will do it right now. Come on, that's it. I'm going to give it a little bit of time. There should be a whole lot of conversations happening right now. Amen. If you need healing, you might as well come up too. Amen. Ask somebody, have you ever received the Holy Spirit and spoken in tongues? Because I believe you can get it tonight. Come on up. Come on up. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank young people. You can come up. Kids, come on up. Amen. If you're 400 years old, come on up. It's never too late. Man, I just saw somebody 92 get the Holy Ghost, get baptized in Jesus' name. Why not you? Why not now? Come on. He doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care how many sins you've committed. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. All right. We got our group up here, I think, that need the Holy Ghost. Let me talk to you guys real quick. I'll tell you how it works. This is easy. This is easy, okay? This is like, he may fall. We'll see. Amen. This is the easiest thing you'll ever do because you were made to receive the Spirit of God. He wants to give you the Spirit. Amen. It's not like you got to beg Him. You just need to worship. And as you get lost in saying, thank you, Jesus, I love you, hallelujah, somewhere along the line, the Spirit is going to begin to move. And when He does, if you'll let it go, I'm telling you right now, you will receive the Spirit and begin speaking in tongues. Alright, so I'm going to show you how it works and it's going to feel uncomfortable for a second and Pastor, and I'm going to make Pastor feel uncomfortable just a short second, but you're going to see I'm not doing something creepy, just wait, just stick with me. I'm going to show you how it works. So, judging by the amount of white in this room, there's a lot of people that don't speak Spanish, right? So if you don't speak Spanish, say see. All right, so here's how it works. Say this. Bienvenidos. That's Spanish. Now, I'm not trying to make you talk in tongues. That don't count because I taught you. All right, bienvenidos. Say it. Man, say it again. So 
what you're saying right there in Spanish, I think I might be mispronouncing it, is you're saying welcome, welcome. But man, did you feel that moment right when I said say bienvenido? So you're like, man, I never said that word in my life. I got no idea how that's going to sound. You had to take a step of faith and say what was in your mind. Let me tell you how the Holy Ghost works. It's not going to be that word. But when you're praying, some word is going to come into your spirit and you just got to try it. You just got to let it go. I'm telling you right now, when we lay hands on you, you're going to feel that same moment and if you'll release it God will fill you now alright so you know I, I, I prayed for the Holy Ghost for a little bit it was kind of challenging because I thought y'all were listening to me and I didn't want to do it wrong and you Man, I never really prayed before, and I got like 15 people right by me. So, church, here's how I need your help. If you're not praying for the Holy Ghost, I need you to make some noise. When you worship, Jesus comes down. And when you worship, they don't got to worry about how they sound. So, we're all, somebody say all, all, front to the back, left to the right. We are all about to worship, and we're going to Holy Ghost crazy worship. Some that need healing will be healed. Some that need deliverance will be delivered. Amen. Now those up here that are praying for the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm going to need some church people to come help me. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I need you to come help me. Amen. Here's what I want you to do. If you're praying for somebody that needs the Holy Ghost, I want you to put your hand maybe on their shoulder or maybe you help them hold their hands up. But I don't want anybody putting their hand on their head until you believe they're ready to receive the Spirit of God. Listen, when you feel somebody put their hand on your head, it's because we believe you're ready and we believe God is going to do it now. And I want you to let it go when that happens. Can we do that? Come on, everybody. From the front to the back. From the left to the right. Would you lift your hands? Would you lift your voice? Come on. Let's worship. Let's worship. Let's worship. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. If you've never got the Holy Ghost before, you can get it right now. We need you to lift your voice. Come on. By the power and the authority of the name of Jesus, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Amen. Go ahead. Come on, somebody.
awesome? Would you like to have him back sometime? Amen, 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 amen. Don't forget Wednesday night service. Be careful, be safe in Jesus.